Hello, I'm Bree Thompson. I get to serve here as pastor of Youth and Young Adult Ministries at Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church. The sermon series Pastor Hank has been leading us through has us looking at this season we're in as a growing season, and we are studying through the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 say this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, I skipped faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Our goal for this series is to be thinking towards how we grow in this season and how do we grow specifically in the fruits of the Spirit. So it's not just about how are you doing, it is how are you growing. I was in a spiritual reflection group some years ago. The leader of our group put three circles on the ground. There was a smaller inner circle, and there was a medium circle that went around that, and then there was a larger circle that went around both of them, and it was large enough that we could step on and walk to the different pieces. She described that inner circle as our comfort zone, then the middle ring was called stretch, and then the outer ring was crises. She asked us to stand where we felt like we were at that time. And then she further explained that it is in the middle ring, the one called stretch, that we grow. We don't grow when we're not, we are in our comfort zones. That's where we are relaxing. And nor do we grow in our crises zone. If we are in crises, that's where you have your fight, flight, or freeze response. You're not able to grow. It's all about survival. God's word is for our good. He teaches us the ways to confront hardships and difficulties. He cares for us and he provides for us in such a way that we don't have to be in that place of crisis. We don't have to be in a place that's only about survival. God gives us the support and the tools for us to be in the place of stretch where it's still hard, but we're able to grow. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have all had difficult times in life. We are in a difficult time right now, and there will be difficult times to come. God gives us what we need in those difficult times to not be sinking amidst the trial. Even when even now amidst so many hardships and unknowns of our pandemic, we don't have to be in a place where when we're reaching out and checking on each other, we are saying, hey, are you surviving over there? You got your lifeboat over there? I'm surviving, all right, we're good. We don't have to be in that place. We, as followers of Christ, get to be and stay in the main boat. The waves will be, are, are sometimes crashing in on us, but we get to, with God's support, still have everything we need to man the sails, row on, and stay the course. Today, our fruit of the Spirit is forbearance. One definition of forbearance is to patiently restrain from an impulse to do something. There are a lot of natural impulses we have during difficult times. When we forbear by the Lord's strength, we are able to restrain from many natural tendencies that aren't as healthy for us as we go through difficulties. Those natural tendencies work against us, abiding in the Lord and taking hold of everything he offers us. Later, I'm going to share a little snippet of my life 
tell you what my natural response was in that time and how God turned my heart to abide in him, in his promises, in his peace, in his joy, how he brought me back to the place where I can grow in him and develop perseverance towards maturing in him and finishing this race. We're going to look at a portion of Jacob's story in a moment to find some inspiration for going through difficult times. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time to look into your word. Um, we ask that you're blessed, you bless the reading of this word. May your spirit continue to be at work through these words. Speak to our hearts. May they be for the furthering of your kingdom work. Lord, we have many places in our lives where we are waiting, and often when we're having to ask for patience, we're feeling the burden of long-suffering. Help us to seek out the ways that you direct us to go through our trials and tribulations. Help us to fully rely on you, Lord. Remind us of the ways to abide in you always, for you are our great provider. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 29, verses 14 through 20. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. To give you a preface of this scripture, if you're unfamiliar, Jacob is new to this land. He has recently fled from his home country where he stole his brother Esau's blessing. He had previously taken Esau's birthright and Jacob's mother, Rebekah, devised a plan for him to steal the blessing that was due Esau by tricking his aging father, Isaac. They did that. Once Esau found out, he was out to kill Jacob. So Isaac sent Jacob away to the land of Rebekah's brother, Laban. So in verse 20, we saw seven years summarized in one verse. It says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. I hear in that verse certainly a budding romance, hearts aflutter and time flying by amidst the bliss. I'm sure that was a piece of this time for Jacob. Yet, as we continue in the story, we learn more about what Jacob's time was service, of service was like. And the, excuse me, in the long run of his service to Laban, Laban proves to be unfair. Ultimately, when Jacob realized it was time to leave Padan Aram, as he was convincing his wives they needed to leave, he says that Laban changed his wages 10 times. He says this to this, his wives, and they'd agreed in turn by saying he has left us no inheritance and can't care for us anyway. He hasn't looked out for us. Let's go. Later in an interchange with Laban, Jacob tells more details of what that time of service was like. In Genesis 31, Jacob recounts that he paid for any losses that he made in the herds. He was, and he was in the heat by day and the cold by night, and sleep fled from his eyes. I would say that those seven years did have some hardships. He was in Laban's camp, and we see the kind of character Laban, the leader of that camp, had. Jacob, knowing Laban's character, could have also lived in worry through those seven years that Laban wouldn't give him Rachel at the end of it in marriage. And it turns out, 
Laban didn't. Laban gave him Leah. Ultimately, Jacob did get to marry Rachel after the two weeks of the marriage time with Leah, but it didn't go quite as the arrangements were made. So I would say Jacob's first seven years of service weren't easy. I think that they were a hardship, and we could say Jacob was long-suffering through that time to earn his beloved Rachel. But instead of complaining, living in fear that things may not pan out, instead of being disgruntled and asking for the burden of the seven-year commitment to be removed, he was in a place mentally where it flew by. It was like a day to him. Seven years. We could say waiting within for a budding romance is its own special thing. Yes, but what if our, our perspective for enduring hardships on waiting from hearing for the Lord on something, what if those times were fueled by our great love for our Lord and Savior? What if our eyes and hearts were focused on a time when we get to be with our Savior forever? What if during our hardships we are intentional on focusing on the victory that Christ has already won for us? Yes, our world has its troubles, but we have final victory. And we can rest in the promise of everlasting peace with our Savior. He has left us here in this world that is broken and mourns for its redemption. After He left us here after we were saved on purpose because we get to be a part of his kingdom work with the Holy Spirit to guide us and spur us on. And that's exciting. That kingdom work happens so often through our difficulties. So how is it that God can use us to grow us in these difficult times? A little over a year ago, I was going through a difficult time. My husband Stephen and I had begun the process to become foster parents. We wanted to do foster to adopt, and we had the paperwork in our hands of two boys who needed a forever home. God had affirmed in us to pursue these two boys specifically, Devin and Andy, um, in various and emphatic ways. God had affirm that for us. The paperwork said one boy was autistic, the other was blind in one eye. All we had was a write-up of a bit of their background. We knew that we were called to pursue them, so we told the agencies yes. Um, it was then that agency's turn to take their time to make their choices, so we were then left to wait. Um, in that time of waiting, I was overcome with fear. There were so many uncertainties. What if they're not a good fit? What if bringing them in derails any positive growth that's been happening with our own bio boys? What if it breaks up our family due to the stress? What if we can't help them grow in their areas of concern? There were so many unknowns. There were times during this waiting that no matter what relaxing breathing or sitting still I tried to do, my heart would just race. Um, there were often times also when it felt like I couldn't even take a full deep breath. There were moments within their intermittent moments where I did have the joy of the Lord and I was thankful for what he was doing, something he put on our hearts before we were even married. Um, but there were many moments where I was overwhelmed by my fear. But praise the Lord, he was and is doing a good thing in me and he had a work in mind for my heart. God did many things for me to take me from that place of being overwhelmed by my fear. I'm gonna tell you about four of those things specifically but the overarching way he worked in my life was drawing me to abide in him. With that de a desire to abide in him, as I turned my heart to him, he grew my faith, he helped me turn to joy, he reminded me to praise him, and he kept my heart towards obedience. 
As the Lord turned my heart to abide in him, he helped me to cling to him and patiently refrain from my natural responses, which are many, to fear, to worry, to be in a panic, to be overwhelmed, to despair. He turned my heart to seek more faith, kept my heart toward abiding in him. A first step towards forbearing through hardships is for us to ask the Lord for more faith in his promises and truths. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Let that be our prayer when our lives are looking a little bit like we're forgetting who our God is and what his promises to us are. Do we believe when we're struggling through something that God will bring everything to completion? Do we believe what Romans 8:28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose? Lord, help us to believe that you will work all things out for good. As Pastor Carmen said earlier, I also often view the fruits of the Spirit as successive. They build on one another. It may or may not be the intention of the verses, but as I pursue God's work in me to continue to grow in the fruits of the spirits, I often look back at joy specifically as a key piece in growing in the other fruits of the Spirit. Living in joy, turning to joy, Asking God for hearts of joy is a big piece of God of how God can bless us and allow space for growth as we grow through periods of trials. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When I was struggling with fear, I asked God to increase my joy. I prayed, I read his word, meditated on his word, counted my blessings, abided in him. It was slower than I had hoped, but God renewed my joy as I focused on him and I reflected on his goodness and his promises. A third thing God did for me to abide in him and to help me forbear through hardship was to be able to, be able to resist my natural tendencies was to focus on praising him. If you're having trouble finding joy, if today you say, Brie, I hear you, I agree that joy is important, but I'm just not there. This grief I carry cannot be seen through. If that's where you are, I encourage you today to praise the Lord. Praise causes our hearts to focus on the one who deserves all our praises, all of the honor. It causes us to focus on heart, our hearts on the one who is to be held in the highest esteem above all other things. It takes away our focus on the things of our own that we may be revering more highly than we ought. Praise helps us come back to the place of trusting him, not wallowing over needing to know the end, needing to control the end. What was God's response to Job? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Praise you, Lord, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Pastor Hank put out in his weekly email, Psalms 145. I want to read verses 1 through 3 to you. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. I encourage you, if you haven't already, later today, go back to Psalm 145 and you read it aloud. See what state it puts you in. The fourth thing God did for me was to bring my heart and keep my heart towards obedience. Choosing to trust God is faithful and acting on it, even when you're not seeing it or feeling it. Not letting our hearts go to a place of, 
wow, I guess God has stepped out for a while. Maybe he's not quite as big as I thought. I still trust him, but I'll have to wait until he shows up in a bigger way again. In times we find our hearts going to a place that says, maybe God isn't at work. He's far away. He's withheld his hand. If you find yourself in that place, do you start looking to temporary, unfulfilling things as crutches, band-aids as we wait? Will we choose to believe God is faithful amidst our hardships, even when the ways he's working aren't clear to us? When Stephen and I were waiting on so many unknowns, having just the paperwork in our hands of our potential future sons, I had fear. But praise the Lord, he turned my heart to obedience. Each day I continued to pray and asked him to deliver me from my fears. I praised him for what was evident, what he was doing, for what he had affirmed in us. Through that obedience, he brought me nearer to his heart. And through my intention towards obedience, God did his work to give me his joy and peace. It wasn't immediate, but I clung to him and I abided in him and he worked with my stubborn self. He changed my heart and my perspective and as he continues to do that. In Paul David's trip, David Tripp's devotional book called New Morning Mercies, in one meditation he talks about waiting. Waiting in, on God isn't like waiting in the waiting room at a doctor's office. Waiting on God is an active life based on confidence in his presence and promises, not a passive existence haunted by occasional doubt. Waiting on God isn't internal torment that results in paralysis. No, waiting on God is internal rest that results in courageous action. Every one of God's children has been chosen to wait because every one of God's children lives between the already and the not yet. Already this world has been broken by sin, but not yet has it been made new again. Already Jesus has come, but not yet has he returned to take you home with him forever. Already your sin has been forgiven, but not yet have you been fully delivered from it. He goes on to say, we all wait for the final end of the work that God has begun in and for us. We don't just wait, we wait in hope, confident expectation of a guaranteed result. Waiting on God is an action based on confident assurance of grace to come, end quote. Our trials and tribulations aren't interruptions to God's plans, nor are they failures to God's plan. If we believe his promises, it's the opposite. It's through our hardships in life, the many hardships we will come across as we continue to live in this broken world. It's through these hardships that he transforms us and brings us more and more into the likeness of him. Ultimately, when we're forbearing through the trials of this life, those time periods look less like tapping our feet and waiting for God to show up. When we forbear, it looks less like us imploring of the Lord to help us hold up his burden we're suffering under. And it looks more like, hold up this burden we're suffering under. And it looks more like us sitting on the edge of our seats, but clinging to God because it's hard, but sitting on the edge of our seats and watching him work in great anticipation. God, how are you going to use this to grow me to you, to work all things for good? And in what ways do I get to join in your kingdom purposes? Let us open our eyes to what God is doing right now in and around us as we forbear with him. I encourage us all to be intentional in this time of the pandemic of COVID-19. Let us go through our trials and tribulations under the Lord's care as we seek joy in him, as we trust that he is faithful, as we continue to obey him and ask him what he has for us in this time. May we go through it with forbearance, resisting our natural tendencies and turning to the Lord. 
when we forbear with the Lord through trials, we'll find ourselves growing. As we abide in him, we are filled with his presence, his peace, his joy, so much that we have more to offer others around us than just that check-in shout that says, hey, you doing all right? Are you surviving? We can forbear with the Lord and be a place where we're spilling over with his goodness, his promises, his truth, his kingdom mindset, so much that we're able to bless those around us. We can do so much more than just that check-in shout. When we are forbearing with the Lord through hardships, it may not, not look much like what we would call patience or long-suffering at all. Maybe a trial that takes seven years for us can fly by in an instant if we're sitting on the edge of our seats with our eyes fastened on the Lord, watching to see what he is doing through it all. God bless you. We will abide in you, Lord, hide in you, Lord, rest in you, Lord, rest in you. Teach us to wait on you, draw strength from you, Lord, rest in you, Lord, rest in you, Lord. We will abide, and we will abide in you, Lord, hide in you. Just to wait on you, draw strength from you, Lord, rest in 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 you. Strength from you, Lord, rest. 